Welcome to Live Sense 8. I'm Sheila Applegate. And I'm Zach Hansen. And a special shout out to Justin Applegate for the composition of the Live Sense 8 podcast music. In this podcast, we dive deep into the concepts of consciousness and other interesting trivia in the Netflix original series, Sense8. We're doing an episode-by-episode exploration of how we can live a Sense8 life, and we're also talking with cast and crew and team members of Sense8 to hear the experience from their perspective. Enjoy the show. In this segment, we talk about what's going on in the world of Sense8. One of the things that I saw this past week that I absolutely adored was a video about Friends and Sense8. If you haven't seen that video, I will link it to our page because it is adorable. This is the month of the Sense8 rewatch, so fans have gotten together to rewatch Sense8 during the month of December and talk about it on social media to keep the conversation going. Be sure to participate in that. Coming up in January, Zach and I will be in San Francisco. We're going to do a live Live Sense8 podcast with an incredible panel. The fairies will be there. That is Tino Rodriguez and Virgo Pariso, both of them incredible artists and friends of the Wachowskis who played the fairies in the final episode and in one of the earlier episodes. We're really looking forward to continuing our conversation with them. Also joining us will be Michael Summers, also known as Bug in Sense8. Always a fun time with Michael. And the two moms, Sandra Fish, who played Nomi's mom, Janet, and Maximilian Ewalt, who plays Amanita's mom, Grace, will be joining us for a lively discussion about Sense8 and their role in Sense8, as well as exploring the play on the word Nomi, as in knowing yourself, claiming yourself, and what it means to really know me. We'll also explore some of the fun things that happened during the San Francisco productions. Tickets are still available for this event, and we will have the link for you on the podcast page. We really hope you will join us for this fun evening of discussion. All right, let's dig into Season 2, Episode 6, created by Lily and Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski, written by Lana Wachowski and J. Michael Straczynski. This is the Archipelago episode, so we have a great shout-out to Dave Walsh, who was a previous guest on our show. Brilliant hair. Brilliant hair. <laughs> and the brilliant Zachary <laughs> noticed that Amy and Amanda were in it as well. We met Amy and Amanda when we were in Chicago. Beautiful souls. And uh, shout out to you guys. We found you. <laughs> we're probably like the last people to find <laughs> <Ever>. you. <laughs> I see you. Anyway, who else is in this scene? This is the sort of uh, shout out to all, not all the people they care about, but we know that this is a scene that allowed the creators to give kudos to some of their favorite people. So I'm curious to who else is in there that we may have overlooked, but fun. And actually, that's the kind of when the title of this episode Isolated above, connected below, comes into play. And just to dive right in, since we're there, I have some questions about it. Because 
they were sharing with each other. I guess I'm answering my question as I speak. So they were sharing with each other through telepathic or through the sensei gifts. So maybe they stay apart. But so if you're isolated above. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I didn't figure it out. So they're isolated above because of the blockers. But they're still connecting with each other. On the physical. No, they weren't all connecting well, on the physical. Well, so the, the, we got this, the scene with Riley and Will when they're in the train. And yeah. he takes the blocker. Right. Right, so at that point, he's isolated above and connected below with Riley. No, you're not connected now that, well, down. He basically isolates his, his, his psychic ability because of the blockers. Like, he's not in touch. But, however, he was physically in touch with Riley below. Yeah, but the archipelago actually communicates with each other. Like, that went across the world. They weren't physically going. He didn't go anywhere in a matter of seconds. He shot a message across the entire world and got blockers. The, I mean, maybe that's the question. Like, what, what, are the, what are they referencing? Right? So this is kind of a play on as above, so below. Yeah, I get that. But <laughs> right, so what I, is, don't, I don't, I don't, I don't Like usually, I get it, and I'm like, oh yeah, I get what they're doing. I'm, I'm really kind of perplexed about this one because they're not connecting the way they would normally. But they've got this telephone chain, right? But it's a telepathic chain that goes around, and they use those gifts within a matter of seconds. So that is connected above, and isolated below, because they don't come together below. They're all. See, it actually, so there's got to be a deeper meaning in here because they really are isolated below because they are not coming together as clusters. They're in hiding everywhere, but they still have a connection above because they can reach each other. So that's why I'm very confused. It's like the opposite of what they're actually doing in the scene that they say it. I understood it for the whole concept I think this was, I mean, this is a reference to an isolated situation, not the whole episode. See, I'm saying I see it differently because it makes sense to the whole episode. But, but not I thought to you that. said that it doesn't make sense to the whole episode. No, it Because make, they are connected. It above. makes sense to the whole episode for the exact reason that you said. It's all about the blockers being in survival. Like, I got tons of stuff to talk about the meaning of it. But when it's actually said... It didn't seem to make sense. That's what confused me. Well, when was it said? It was said with old man Hoy when he was talking to Riley right before Archipelago did its thing. That's what confuses me. Unless I wrote it down wrong. I don't know. That's what confuses me. And if it is, then I want to go down that rabbit hole and figure out why they said it. Well, truth behold, when we started watching this episode, I actually had an epiphany about it. And things made sense at a, a quite a bit of a higher level. But I, I have to admit, I forgot what that was. It's going to be a fun episode, Zach. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> now that I've der- derailed us, let's come back to <laughs> just a kind of overview. Caffius hooks up with Sakia. Yeah, yeah. We have some cool insights and quotes around that. Son leaves her Poor pup, pup and her Poor teacher. Sensei. You know, I looked up what the, who the teacher was because, like, what, what his name was because I never knew it. And on IMDb, the name of the character is just teacher. First trainer, then teacher, and it seems significant because he plays a significant role not to be named. So it's just it's he is his role, right? Like, I, I mean, I like it that he's just teacher because that's. He he has a Sensei, mystique to him. Guru, teacher, it's all yeah. the same word. It's cool. Yeah, I liked it. I just thought it was notable because I kept thinking, how come I don't know his name? And then I found out I do. <laughs> Leto goes to Pride. He makes the decision to represent and do the speech. That's pretty cool. Will dreams that he's Milton and Riley is Milton's wife. Like he sees Milton's life through the perspective of Milton's eyes, but it like it, it's kind of like this blur between him and Riley, which is interesting. It's like, well, is that like foreshadowing, or is it just them 
being able to, it's just him shifting a memory to his own perspective, which maybe is what happened because they talk a little bit about the memories. But he gets to see into Milton's worldview through his eyes a little bit. And Riley, they not only, we meet old man Hoy on the train, and we talk about the blockers, and, and shout out to him, Sylvester McCoy who was one of the original Doctor Whos. So that's pretty cool. Another weaving in with Doctor Who in here. Then then we got Kala and Wolfgang and Rajan Sexy Time. (laughs) And Nomi finds Angelica's cabin, which is super cool. So that's what this episode's about. I got to take a step back, though, because there's something that I don't recall that kind of just skipped my my mind space in the last episode where Riley throws on the party and where does Bodie come from? Where does Mr. Hoy come from? And Puck was there. Like, so if we're, we're going back, you mean, do we not know? Like they just, sh- they got drawn into the How? rave. That was my question. Yeah. That we know. That we, was my question right, in the last yeah. episode. We don't really know. It's that they went all went out without blockers and they weren't hiding and, and it attracted them. Now they had the choice to go, but they all something in that well, was like, I kind of thought maybe it was like they were broadcasting the rave via like a camera or like a video or something. But I was like, Bodie or Mr. Hoy doesn't seem like the individual that would be at a rave. Obviously Puck was cause he was literally there, but I don't know. I just like, that was one little detail that I was like, I, no, I think, um, old man Hoy says something like he did go, like he felt a pull to it, whatever they did. It was an energetic pull that of the cluster opening up with the intention and and old man Hoy makes some reference like, well, I responded. Like he was like, well, it's my, because he kind of is like telling her, you guys are either with BPO or you're just crazy stupid. And and <laughs> basically on the train, right? This episode, yeah, so. but then he's like, basically, but I went, so I'm just as stupid. Yeah, or, I, was just, I was just curious. Ca- I mean, or, how that yeah. how that works? Because I mean, if it was just an intention, why didn't thousands of other thousands and thousands of other sensates show up? Right. Well, why, why was it's it a show, three? like maybe they did, and we only saw the ones that we were going to, I mean... Sure, I was just, I'm just kind of, I was yeah, just a little they curious don't really how that, little, that, little, but... little part worked, that's all, that's all I'm saying, just yeah. curious. I, I'm going like to go cat. with intention and some creative freedom here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this moment with Will and Riley, and it, it's the moment they meet old man Hoy, so it's going in cycles now, and Will is under the blockers. It was time for him to take a blocker. Actually, like I guess they all had come off of it for the rape because Hoy had to take it too. They were on the same cycle of the blockers. But anyway, it's really about the moment that it's time for Will to take the blocker again. And you see this close-up of their hands, Riley and Will's hands, touching. Little twin flame. Yeah, the music is going. Action again. They're swapping perspectives again. Oh, I didn't think of it as swapping perspectives. I thought of it as taking time to feel that union before he got blocked again. Because there's nothing as incredible as that that union that they feel which is can't be equated when you're blocked down right so we've we've talked about this and they've shown it before in the cinematography where they'll take the person and they'll put them in each other's place yeah back did and they forth do that? really and fast they that. did yeah oh, i mean okay. they they do it that. so fast and yeah. so well like you don't notice unless you you notice you yeah. know I mean? you got to sit down and really pay attention well, so it's interesting because I keep noticing the hands because when my twin flame was alive, that was one of the most unbelievable experiences of the whole thing, which is hard to say when we're talking years and years of daily interaction with each other. But these moments when our hands would just brush each other or touch each other, or we could be passing a coin or something, and it was like time would stand still. It it was just this moment of like exchange that is un. 
describable, other than the fact that movies tend to try to play that when they're trying to show romance or something, or connection, but it's it's different than that. So they keep doing these hand things, and it keeps flashing me back to those those moments but i guess it would mean you're going you because you're becoming like one at that moment even though it's just a brush of a hand or a touch of a hand so they were they were doing that twin flame union exchange to experience it before he got shut down again was my feeling and i think they talk about it later because later on they they kiss each other when he's on the blocker and they, they talk about how it's just not the same. And I think that, and they said maybe this is just kind of what, like old people, <laughs> when they've been together for a really long time, it's a familiarity, which I thought was really interesting because I see two different forms of love and partnership in our world. And some of it, like there's that whole romantic view. And again, I don't see the twin flame as romantic necessarily, but in this, in this scene, you know, you have that piece in there. And so when it is, there's this intensity, this creative force energy, the sexual energy, the union and all this beauty and passion. And then you've got the other type of love in our world that I think a lot of people are seeking that. But then there's the other love that I learned to appreciate with my parents as they get older and that familiarity, that knowing each other, the love that is there because you've depended on each other and you've done life with each other for a long time. I mean, I guess that would even fit with my ex-husband. And so it's like... There is, I, I love that they show even just the blocker of it. It's like when that energy isn't flowing, there's this type of relationship. And they don't say it isn't beautiful. It's just different. And then there's the relationship that happens when we don't have blockers. Because if we look at the blockers and we think about society and how pharmaceuticals shut us down or, you know, whether it's recreational drugs used to suppress us or block us or um, whether it's medical, pharmaceutical or some other exercise, like we can use any work, we, the numbing, the blocking ourselves and, and how that's so normal in our society. So I started to wonder too, like with the blockers, because really, if we're all sensoriums at our true core of being, but we're not waking up or birthing that, and we're not birthing it because we're blocked, it kind of gives that symbol of, or you open up to experience it, but then you want to block down, block it out again. So when we translate it to humanity, I think it's a profound statement, even just the blockers. It's scary to live in this world that open. Yeah, and they, I mean, they cover that a lot, especially in the beginning of the show. Escapism is a big theme right that they cover especially with sensitive people yeah yeah so if we jump over to Cassius and Zakia, so this is the episode they get together she does her her incredible monologue or talk about falling in love with a person not with the genitals and obviously that would be a clip that we would pick had we not already talked about it with Momby but be sure to go listen to Mombi's if you want to hear that clip and her take on it, because it's amazing. One thing I don't know if we did talk about with that is her line where she says, luck is something that reminds you how beautiful the world can be. I just really love that line. Yeah, it's a great line. I mean, there's so many great lines in that scene that it would be easy to overlook one, so... That one was pretty cool. It kind of reminds me when uh, Caffius is talking to his mother. Mm-hmm. And he says that life is more than just a pr- full of surprises. It's also full of gifts. Yeah. To me, it's Same. it's a very similar vein of experience, you know. Which shows how they are such a great fit for each other. The other thing I noticed this time is Zakia says I, in the morning after Cavius has slept over and he's exploring this different world because to him, you know, the refrigerator, There's the coffee make, everywhere. yeah. <laughs> and um, 
And she, and then Zakia says, I love our coffee. It's one thing Kenya does well. And I just thought about how Mombi was so sweet. <laughs> she brought us coffee from Kenya to Chicago. So that was just so sweet that she had thought of that. And, and that line made me like, oh. <laughs> cool. So should we dive into some clips? There's a lot to talk about here. Yep. So we're going to preface this clip here where we're going to hang out with Kala and Wolfgang after a spicy night. <laughs> so there, uh, Wolfgang is playing some soccer and Kala has a few words for him. Um, about last night, I needed you and you were there for me. But it was wrong. Why? You weren't in my bed anymore, and I'm sitting on this desk here. It's in our heads, like a fantasy. Last night was not a fantasy. What's true is that married women like to fantasize. And what? It's what keeps marriages together. No. I don't. I... I must not. Okay. You're in Bombay. I'm in Berlin. I think you're safe. Please. Last night made me realize that I can't be trusted with my thoughts. Come on, Wolfie. It's finished, folks. Facts. I need help, and you have to help me. I'm trying to make a life. Hmm. Pretending isn't a life. Wolfie! Yeah! Coming! Wolfgang is an awesome character. I can't say I would have handled this situation as well as him. (laughs) (laughs) She really, really aggravated me with her dialogue this time it's just really frustrating because she basically can't take responsibility for herself and puts it all on him and then says it was a mistake and i was just like oh i can't do this kala you're killing me right now (laughs) (laughs) yeah because when she's trying to be confine herself to the simplicity of what she thinks nobody's a good person when they're trying to disregard the the whole truth of themselves and compartmentalize to fit society. Well, I, I really think we can go, we won't, but I mean, we get into morality and what is good and bad, and that's really such an outdated thing. Like, what is functional, what is adaptable, what is sustainable? And again, we've talked about this. Kala is really struggling with her own being her own person. This is everybody's struggle. It's not just hers because society tells us we need to be one way, but naturally we're just not that way. Like we, our bodies function a certain way and society tells us that that's not proper. Yeah. So if we go back to before this, what she is talking about really is that she did go to Wolfgang she visited Wolfgang and then they, so basically she made love to Wolfgang through Rajan. So he basically embodies Rajan probably um, in a way so that she can make love to Wolfgang because we know that because in the morning um, Rajan thanks Kala for the passionate, beautiful night by kissing Wolfgang. (laughs) Which is hilarious. That was a great scene to show that. Yeah, so she asked him, she opened up to love and in truth opening to love and that isn't physical so it is on our higher consciousness it's on its union of soul at that point that then it gets gifted to the other person involved. I mean, he had a wonderful time. He felt the love. So not only did he experience being able to have sex with his wife, he actually experienced the intensity of their love, which actually can confuse things too, right? Because now he's associating that depth of love with Kala, whether it's actually... It's actually Kala and Wolfgang that he's feeling that depth of love for, though he has no idea. So you have all of that happening. And then um, 
like you said, I think Wolfgang handles it really well, and he does. And it, and and he even says, "This is what keeps marriages together." So, because, like you said, what is human nature? And if you're not, you know, monogamy of the body is perhaps limiting and not always healthy for couples to commit to, or is it healthy to commit to that above just committing to truth? And if the truth becomes monogamy, then that, that form for that period of time matches. But beyond that, you're talking about her now trying to be monogamous in her soul which is constricting, and it's again because they're taking that union of pure creation energy. Because if you're not body to body, it's pure creation energy. And then reducing it to a belief system to say that she can't experience that because if she does, then she can't fulfill her role. And he's saying it actually supports your role with him to open to this energy. So that's quite fascinating and I don't know but another thing I noticed so they're playing football and the only people in the world that would call it soccer is the U.S. so football (laughs) pretty rough actually like I haven't seen football that kind of football that intense but did you notice the mural the elephant the painted elephant huge painted elephant yeah I thought it was super cool yeah, and so that does show a physicality of their... Because it was out of place. I mean, there was graffiti, and there was graffiti underneath it that said sage, which was interesting, too. But you've got the two worlds blending. I didn't look in her scene to see what piece of his world might have been there. But it is like the physical worlds are colliding, even though it wasn't physical. And she's right. It was more than a fantasy. It was, it was an interaction. But we can't... First of all, relationships do come from above. So as above, so below. But they, they can't be confined into the simplicity and they do impact as we wave back and forth. But I got distracted as I was talking because, and when I said as above, so below, when we talked about isolated, below, connected, above, this is one more aspect where that title makes sense to me, right? Because... Well, they're not isolated above. Yeah. It's the, it's the opposite. See, it keeps being the opposite. Except for when Will takes his blocker and he's with Riley. Right. Or anytime they're talking about blocking. Yeah. And not when it's said. So I'm I'm very confused. I want to know more about this title. I feel like I'm failing. <laughs> Maybe you just need to watch it again. But did they flip it on purpose for us? I, That's I what think I Maybe you'll have to just watch again and see. I know. Well it is December. <laughs> yeah. I can watch One thing that was interesting that you pointed out, which I don't know if this is what you're attending to, but that mural of an elephant could represent Ganesh. Yeah, Ganesh and Kala's world. And and it was definitely an Indian painted elephant. It was from her world. It, It could, even if it didn't, it could have represented Ganesh, but even if it didn't, even in its simplest term, it was painted as they do in India, not as they do in Germany. Right, it didn't have that look to it. It was a, yeah, that was pretty fascinating. And it didn't fit. But even God, so Ganesh, even God is in the ghetto. I mean, <laughs> it was, <laughs> I mean, it was like a rough football in a whole area that was all graffitied, you know. Anyway. All right, so then the next clip got Lido at Pride. He had a warm welcome at Pride, and then the dinner before that, they his his team was kind of trying to you know get him to talk from the heart, and so here we have Lido's speech at Pride. I wanted to say that I am very honored to be here. To be here. I 
Hadith in the truth. To be honest with you, I... I've never been as scared as I am right now. All of my life, I've had to pretend to be something I wasn't. And to become what I wanted to become. I couldn't be what I am. I am a gay man. I never said the see public before. I am a gay man! are afraid of people that are different from them. And admitting that I am different and refusing to pretend to be something I am not may cast me a career of pretending to be things that I am not, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. But I did. I did. For years, I was living inside the fake world of a movie set, never daring to imagine that one day I might be brave enough to do something like this. This is Hernando. He's the love of my life. I am a better and braver person because of him. And whatever it costs for me to be able to do this, I know in my heart that it is worth it. Ah, good job, Lito. Insert epic music and dance party. Like they do. Awesome stuff. The whole, the music the whole time, though, I felt like Lito's words are amazing and heart opening. But oh my gosh, in the beginning, just with the music too, my heart just was expanding and exploding as he spoke. The freedom I felt. Uh, for, For me too, in the scene, it was more of a an emotional thing than it was the words. Like Mm -hmm. it was just the beauty of the emotions and just the, I don't know, the unfolding of what was happening with his character kind of like opened me up and it wasn't necessarily anything in particular. He said it was just like the act of doing that. And it's really cool because this is where, so Leto defeated his Boganator, right? Mm -hmm. And so now he gets to be the truth. And that's what we were talking about in the wrestling match. And, um, you know, the, the dilemma that he had to face that was really hard to become this person that who he's going to become. And uh, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. And it was through struggle and feeling like that he was losing everything that he found the freedom to become everything he wanted to be, which is pretty cool. Which is more fulfilling. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, um, I don't know, I just love the line where he says, I had to pretend to be something that I'm not so I could do what I wanted to do, which is pretend to be something that I'm not. Mm-hmm. I'm like, humanity. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love lines like that where just it points out the ridiculousness of humanity. Right. <laughs> you know, like, What? <laughs> And he admits that he was hiding in in the film sets, you know, which is cool, too, with the story arc that we've been talking about, because in the earlier episodes, up until, like, right now, we talk about how they help each other, right? And Leto was always helping by acting. Like, his helping was almost always, there's been a couple incidences, but almost always it was in a set that he would use his superpower. His superpower was hiding in the beginning of Sense8. It was hiding in the film sets, and it's been progressively coming out 
to this stage where it's full out and he's now free to show up not only for Hernando, but for himself, but also for the cluster. And it was really, really interesting to me too, because he was alone on stage. And I mean, he was alone on stage, no sense eights. Behind and, and the way it was filmed, like in many situations like that, there were the big screens behind him so the crowd could see, but there were multiple ones. So it was him, and then there were pictures of him behind him where you would usually see the cluster standing, but it was him against him, and that's it. And even when the cluster did show up, they stood off to the side with Danny and that and celebrated with Danny over there, which is so different than every other scene. And it just shows the honoring of stepping, even the cluster stepping back to allow him to shine. Yeah, that was a really cool thing you noticed there. And I was just kind of thinking... Um, Because I didn't notice that until you pointed that out. Like, it didn't really sink in. But it's almost like, in a way, it kind of reminds me of the Hall hall of Mirrors, where we kind of see, um, kind of, in some instances, like, a distorted version of reality. But in this moment, it wasn't distorted. It was an authentic moment where that echoed out into the cosmos or mm-hmm. the TV screens in this <laughs> instance, which is um, the cosmos, <laughs> right? Which was, it was just really cool just to, to see that experience, how, um, it multiplied itself. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. His authenticity multiplied itself in a very healing way. Right. And it was his words alone. So he had always used the script words, Right. And then every other time, like he when he was interviewed, every other really epic time that he spoke, he spoke everybody. It was the weaving in like with the when he spoke to the news reporter and they were all taking turns and they weren't just his words. These were his words and his words alone in this situation from the depth of his heart alone individual within the cluster which is so important for us to remember even in soul family like we we have our back or oneness we are one and we are ourselves I am a me and I am, I am also, also a we, we. yeah <laughs> yes it was his chance to be a me with all the full support of the we. And next, we have a couple clips where we have Riley um, talking to Mr. Hoy. But before that, he has a really awesome quote. Yeah, so Riley connects with old main Hoy. Remember, he, he's suspicious of her. And when she finds him and connects with him, he's in a box. He has created a a safe box for him to his own room to hang out with where BPO can't find him. I, probably, I guess, so he can be off the blockers for periods of time and experience life without having to worry about getting caught or overheard. Or he could communicate with a block. I guess that would be a space where he could communicate with other sensates without worrying about being identified by his location. So it hides everything in the location, which is similar to what Will and Riley are doing in all of their different places. But Riley convinces him she's safe by walking out on the roof where they're hiding. So because they still went back into hiding a bit after they went out, they kind of go back into one of the underground. They talk about it. These underground places. Yeah, just kind of underground you, rooms that, that people, people are known to travel and yeah. camp at, if you will. And um, so they're in hiding in one of those. And she walks out on the roof and looks at everything. And he's like, still kind of like, you're either really crazy. (laughs) Um, But he ends up letting coming out of the he, he ends up trusting her through that. So he comes out of the box with her. 
And during that interaction, in that whole interaction, before we get to the clip, which is pretty amazing, the next couple of clips we have, but he says, I'm slowly dying of survival. Didn't he just nail that on the head for like 99% of the planet? That's what we do. Yep. <laughs> that we is... all die surviving. <laughs> we have really been, you know, we've been in survival mode since we began humanity, right? In the earlier days, we spent our days just trying to survive. And we did survive and we grew to a space where we could not think about where our food was coming in the next hour, if we were going to be killed by an animal in the next hour. And most of us, there are still some people who are genuinely having to survive each moment from their situation. But a large part of humanity doesn't have to survive, spend it surviving. And yet we slowly die as we spend our life surviving i i don't know most of us are chasing paper so we can pay the bills which is a form of survival Mm -hmm. i mean you got to keep your job or you don't have your insurance or your paycheck or whatever so you kind of live in fear and okay you're always competing to make sure you keep your job so somebody doesn't take it from you right or you don't become obsolete right but we don't have to be as a soci- as a global society we don't have to be in that position but it's like Agreed. we forgot how but to we do, do we don't know that how to do point. anything else we don't know how to do it. for the most part we don't know how to live beyond survival so we just keep slowly dying of survival <laughs> because you're going to die anyway right <laughs> I mean, this I could talk about for a really, really long time, but just, you know what? It's better if we just leave you with that quote. I'm slowly dying of survival. So, Thanks, old man Hoy. Yeah, thank you, old man Hoy and the writers. <laughs> but think about that. I'm, I'm going to give you guys all a challenge, and you can let us know in the comments or on social media like how you, how you see that. Like, go through your next day or your next week with that quote in your head and check yourself on everything that you do. See if that's true. And then if it is true, is that how you want to live? Because he comes out. He comes out of the box. Mm-hmm. And he decides to live and risk living. Risk Just living. Just like Leto did. Or, right, right. He actually risks dying so he can live. It's very. That's a very mystic thing for you to say, Sheila. <laughs> Shall I repeat it? Sure, why not? It's the second side of this quote. So now I have a new assignment for us all. Spend your day thinking, I am slowly dying of survival. And after you've spent your day thinking about that, then contemplate and meditate on, am I willing to risk dying so that I live. can live? Carpe diem. Or am I, yeah, am I willing to risk dying to live? All right, let's hear the clip. Spring of 52, a very, very covert conference was convened at the British Air Base on Cyprus. Authorities from NATO, the Warsaw Pact, China, and the Arab League sat locked in a room debating reality. After weeks of haggling, walkouts, and bullying, the Biologic Preservation Organization was born. How do you know all of this? I was there. I assisted Ruth El Sadawi in drafting the initial charter and guidelines for research into sensacity. Signatories guaranteed human rights to sensorians and agreed not to deploy them for military needs. I looked up. 1952. Did you? I was just sitting here thinking, damn, why didn't I look that up? Oh, tell me that. Well, unfortunately, I didn't I didn't spend a lot of time. It looks like I could, but I didn't find there was... Um, I started out with NATO, but it, I had to listen to the clip a couple times because NATO was part of that. It wasn't where it wasn't right, an it official was NATO. Right. It wasn't an official NATO thing. So... I started looking and I realized, man, this is going to take a long time to research. I didn't have that much time, but I was like, hmm, maybe there is something more to this because there was a couple 
conferences listed on the NATO site. It was I just skimmed it. It wasn't anything like that that caught my attention really fast. So, but I imagine there's something to it because they, you know, I just there has to be a lot of Easter eggs that we could. Oh, we know for, like whether that's reading all these books that yeah. they left us. Like, there's so many clues into um, Lana's autobiography <laughs> <laughs> to, to discover her life that she she probably left inside of Sense Eight, right? And it reminds me, we were Ooh. watching a little a bit of Westworld, and Anthony Hopkins' character in there was talking about this other character in there, but he basically said. Um, you need to leave yourself in the artwork or Mm. or something along. That's not the exact quote, but it reminded me of just that. Like, Oh, Lana's and Lily and maybe even Jay, they might be living a little bit of themselves within the art itself. Like, what is this? So anyway, it's kind of rabbit hole. Yeah. When you were talking, I thought of ready player one. I read the novel prior to the movie, but the the whole video game person puts himself within it as well. The yeah. creator of the video game, and it made me think of that. I don't think we're assigning too much credit to them. I, I want to go research this more and look outside of, of you know take that treasure scavenger hunt because the dates you know look at the world, look at the different. Yeah, that was a very specific thing to say. Yeah, and I had just listened to a, um, I just listened to a, a clip from my friend Bo <laughs> about what, was it a Kennedy that met with the um, Green Beret? Was it the Green Beret? And you, all? Be- I believe you were telling me that. Like, yeah, but it was the same, similar kind of thing. The like that, there was a period where he met with us, but like there were secret meetings going on. Up, around that time that they can just they they can speculate but we still don't know what those meetings were so my guess is there probably have been some of those throughout time that i i'm going to explore it more yeah i thought it was really cool i mean he could have just said in the 50s exactly when they give a specific date a specific place and then 1952 yeah and a british air force base or whatever it's like oh and then i really started to think i was like man what if BPO? I know it's you know this is all fictional and stuff, but I was like, what if it's got <laughs> it all fictional? What this if is it's primarily got, fictional? Sort what if? Of. <laughs> what if you know Lana has a tattoo, Homo Sensorium? Mm-hmm. What encounter? It made me really think, like, what encounters she might have had in her life from? Well, I'll just throw out some vague men in black scenario or whatever, you know, like BPO or some whatever it is, just some somebody giving her some gruff or you know. It's just can't very imagine. I know. Can't imagine her experiencing anything like <laughs> Not that. At from, all. No. No. Yeah, for for Lily and Lana both and And Jay Michael. Yeah. Like we don't and so, the writers. Yeah. Haven't we all? Like right. I mean, the more public we are, the more we're going to have stories like that, you know? I mean, they've been suppressing conscious people forever, you know? Yeah, but we also get... So we got derailed on on what they wanted to tell us beyond that, but we really... This is the first time we're really getting a deep understanding of how BPO came to be. That old man Hoy, the, the intentions as the beginning founders came to be, and the agreement they made not to use them for military. That is like one of the catch-22s of our, our world, right? Because even like science, Tesla, like, right? All these right. people... It, it's the brilliant, the people who are outside of the box, the people who live like that, that are always at risk. But we can't suppress ourselves out of fear that it's going to be misused by humanity. But at this, it's just a, it's a really um, huge thing. And imagine if that really was upheld, that they wouldn't use sensorium or... That would be terrible. We wouldn't have a show called Sense8. 
I'm just kidding with you. Like, I know where you're going. <laughs> we would. It would be a way different show, and we'd all be showing up for it. <laughs> and it would still be on. <laughs> all right. Anyway, you know, I mean, that's the thing. We have brilliance in it. It is cool. This is a really great scene. We're informing us more of the audience. You know, there's like one of the the best things about season two for me was just this idea of other clusters. It's like, holy cow. Now we're expanding the world and we're going back in time. Like there's... Right. They... uh, I had it written down. There was a... They actually refer to the Neolithic period where the archipelago was created in the neolithic period yeah and that goes all the way back to when grace and amanita and nomi were talking to that professor i'm pretty sure she references back that far too that's when they split i think yeah so for me just thinking about where all the places they could go with this story like going back in time Mm -hmm. there's so much cool stuff they could do with that, not including, you know, morphogenic fields and things like that and DNA. (laughs) So at the end of this scene, it flashes back to, because it's it's weaving between Amanita and Nomi at this time. They're in the woods discovering Angelica in the cabin. They weave back, and that's when Amanita explains the Sicilium and the memories. Yep. And that's where they use the word morphogenic field. And I did go look this up too a little bit. So what? that was that was pretty fun. There's, I mean, there's more. That was like in the early 1900s. There's this kind of this concept that this the there's a field. So if I'm going to butcher this just so everybody knows, but basically like our DNA. Everybody has Google. So right. It's everybody. Okay. <laughs> the gist of it. Again, I didn't spend a lot of time. I, I believe originally it was like there was this idea that DNA is in for, informs a field and this field will build cells based on that information. Interesting. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> Go to Wikipedia. And that's that where kinda, our memories are held and where we well, can share memories. Uh, accor- no, well, according to Sense8, that's what she's talking about is how memories can be shared in that field. So because the Sense8s are kind of recalling memories they don't have. Right. So Which I've idea, actually done all my life. Right. I have memories that don't. I thought they were my own. Sometimes I've had memories that I've known weren't my own. But I have memories from when I'm young that I really thought were mine until I got old enough and looked like way past them when I should have. I got old enough and looked back and was like, wait a second, that would have been like 50 years. Like th- those things wouldn't have happened in the age that I was born. Like they were out of place in humanity's timeline. And I was like, whoa, whose are they? I thought they were mine. There is, and they weren't past lives, which is a whole nother thing, right? There, there is no proof for this, of course, but there, it's been said that our DNA holds all the information, like all of it, past, like present. oneness, yeah, all so, of the information of all it is, right? So that that that's obviously a theory. We can't, you know, science that yet, but it also really this is one of the things that resonates with me a lot in the Superman story. Is, is this this concept that Clark has the codex, he has the DNA of his entire civilization within him, mm-hmm. right? And I think that's a metaphor, in my opinion, like an inspired metaphor, which kind of plays itself off to this idea, like we have this DNA that's informing us and we're sharing memories and timelines within this phenomenon that happens within our cellular structure. It's kind of timeless. Right. And it fits in with early metaphysics, which the concept was always taught to me during my studies with that, that if we heal something now, it heals the generations before us and the generations to come. So us awakening in this moment is actually shifting our dead relatives DNA, I guess, or whatever they have now, cellular. <laughs> I, I, I'm sure in the, in the big and picture. And the same with the children that I don't even know, like, are going to be shifted This will all shift us into the singularity. And I don't mean, like, the mechanical version. I mean, like, the conscious singularity of oneness 
Right, which makes sense even when we talk about the things that I've been teaching lately, which I haven't thought about other than coming through me as information that I know from Source Energy, but I talk about us evolving all the time and how somehow us moving through evolving our bodies will impact the future generations and and that's kind of been something like I've said that because it comes through me and source energy information. But my logical side is like, yeah, but I'm not having any more kids. How am I passing it down in the DNA? And then I'd be like, it just is happening. So but that's what I was thinking about, probably without realizing it. Like that would be the same thing. Right. I mean, we can this this can go pretty deep, right? So we have we have our own fields within our own cells and we create our own field. And we've also talked about limbic resonance earlier in the show, right? So not only like you kind of get into quantum entanglement. Right. Right. So not only do you have your own universe within you that's changing, you don't have to have a kid to change somebody else's resonance. Right. In their in their energetic patterns, which informs their cells. And I'm sure that goes back and forth. You know, there's probably a lot of science and devices that we don't have right now to tell us all this stuff. Right. And then there's the galactic disc that I discovered through fractal illumination when we were doing the fractal illumination. And all of a sudden, this disc was released. And then the we- blueprint. The codex. Yeah, it's like this little disc and it's layered with all this information that I can't even read. And I started to see it releasing when we were doing fractal elimination in each person. And then we spoke to someone who's well up at physics and she explained that what I was describing was the galactic disc, which is found in everything and that the fractal, like it's found in the universe and it fractals all the way down to the individual cells or DNA or so this shit is real because we discover it even when we don't know shit (laughs) when we don't have tools we can discover it to discover things Right, we, you know, there's some of we can discover it and then we can wait for the (laughs) the people to build the, the physical technology to prove that what we know is true it's Science so can't slow. even prove that we exist, so. <laughs> but we all know we do. Do we? <laughs> well, I guess I guess we'll never know until we do exist, and <laughs> then we'll look back and say, "Shit, we weren't existing back then." <laughs> Silly us back then. All right, we have one more clip, right? Yeah, and we're gonna again same conversation with uh, Riley. Yeah, it's like a conti- so we had jumped over boy? to Amanita. Yeah. And Nomi, and now, so it's really like a continuation, but there was another scene in between. And there was so much in each one, I knew we were going to talk for a while. Right, he gave us the how BPO came to be, and then we'll continue on. Why didn't the Charter just announce to the world that homeless and sorians exist? Luke, we all know sapiens. I mean, some of our best friends are sapiens. When sapiens feel safe, the nicest people you could meet. However, feed their inner demons, frighten them, find reasons for them to divide themselves from otherness, and then watch those self-same sapiens drop bombs and whole cities, drive planes into buildings, and happily herd millions of their own kind into gas chambers. And that's just what they would do to each other. What wouldn't they do to a totally different species? That's why Ruth herself advocated total secrecy. Was Miss Al-Sadawi a sensate? No, but our twin sister was. They came from a village in Egypt. Not long after her sister's cluster birth, she was stoned to death for immorality and witchcraft. Ruth went from being a doctor one day to a crusader the next and did everything she could to prevent it from happening to someone else's sister. If she was alive today, she'd look at what BPO has become, and she would weep. This is so loaded, Zach. Tell me about it, Sheila. (laughs) Tell me about it. Okay, first of all, I love how he calls them sapiens. Me too. (laughs) That's awesome. First, I was like, what? Oh, 
Homo sapiens. <laughs> Homo sapiens. <laughs> yeah, now I got to get back to the beginning when he's talking about it. So there's there's so much here. So, okay, so when they first started, she's like, why didn't they just tell everyone, right? It does circle from the beginning to the end of this clip because what would have happened if everyone knew? If everything is out in the open, if the homo sensorium is actually more powerful because of their unity mindset, their cluster abilities, their evolved abilities, and their unconditional love. And we go back to Jonas sitting on the bench in the, in the gallery talking about the difference between homo sapiens and homo sensoriums, and that homo sapiens like secrets. So she was a homo sapien trying to solve the problem of a homo sensorium. So she used... Which e- is a homo sapien. <laughs> Right, exactly. <laughs> so it's just, you know, vicious circle. But so she used the mindset of a sensapien to solve the problem of the sensorium. So we now bring secrecy into the sensates, and that actually ends up reducing them, even if her intention was good. So now we've got the idea that people do bad things for good reasons, thinking they're doing right and creating this whole, like what when we create sometimes, we have no idea, even though our good intentions come how, where they're going to lead to. But that secrecy, so if it was out in the open, then they don't have as much power over sensoriums but by keeping it secret they lost the power and now we've got him uh, they're all in secret they're all hiding all the sensoriums are now living the life of the sapiens and they're hiding out to save themselves so this whole secrecy and hiding is is that part of the demon and then the isolation and the otherness that occurs, right? Because now they've repeated the pattern. That's one thing I want to talk about. This really reminds... So Leela, she's built a whole underground society that is kind of thriving by working with BPO. Mm-hmm. It really reminds me of vampire lore hmm. in many ways because they're smart and cunning and they live, you know, in the darkness. Right. <laughs> and anyway, it was just cool. It was just... A side note, it just reminds me of vampires. Yeah, so that's interesting. So we're back into, so let's talk about aliens. Sweet. <laughs> so I've always, I mean, to me, it's like it doesn't make any sense that we're the only living planet in the multi-universe or multiverse. But at the same time, where you've been waiting for your buddies to come back and get you. I've been like, yeah, I don't, I really, really don't want humanity to interact with other alien species until they get their shit together because we're just going to repeat the same thing with another group of people or a group of beings and, and take these wars into the multiverse and, that's just so to me, even though they're humans, it's like a different species. It's like um, isolated. Ab- what is it again? <laughs> isolated above. So isolated in consciousness, connected below, connected yeah. in body. So in this situation, I'm glad we're isolated above when it comes to other um, species in the multiverse, because I think we would repeat the same pattern. That's one of my thoughts when I when they were talking about it. But the other thing is the the whole demon inside of humanity and the fear. I don't know. It's just it just cycles around and around and around for me. But they figure it out. Then he goes and connects with everyone and they start to come out. I, I think well, then she got her sister, the twin sister, got killed for witchcraft. And, you know, the this storyline of conscious beings being suppressed has gone on for a long time. Yeah, like forever? <laughs> like written human history? Right. And so it's just time 
Yes, 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 creators of this show. It is time for us to come out of secrecy. It is it is time for all of us around the world to show who we are, to be leaders, not just to our sexual orientation, but to our consciousness and to show it to the world and to be it. And I think no more secrets. The other part of this that I want to talk about is the, the otherness. So um, Old Man Hoy is talking about how sapiens or sapiens are so lovely and can be our great friends until they get threatened and the demons come out and get fed because of otherness. This is where I really wish that the creators and the writers could have had as much time in the world to take this story forward because it was one of my concerns actually in the storyline all along and I think that they start to blur this as it moves forward but one of my concerns was to present the otherness idea by having sensates and sensoriums being only some people and not all of humanity and like you just said a little while ago like humans are sensoriums and sensoriums are sapiens and and so I think it's just important for us to remember that while this was a show that was showing a set of people and naming it so that we could have this plot and the storyline and that in its trajectory, it probably would have blended because it already started to, to make it so that, that this is just our evolution of all humanity. It's not another species. But that was actually my fear in the beginning of thinking of this as another species, an otherness, because I think that has been the, maybe that's what they're trying to invoke in us, but that is the storyline that has happened throughout humanity when you feel it's it you they don't kill people because they think they're weak they kill people because they're a threat that they have powers that the other doesn't have so people who have been more autonomous and altruistic and in tune in the past have been perceived as another species and then um, persecuted persecuted or eradicated and so that is so important and possibly why in the finale they did some things that, you know because we're sticking with the timeline you know episode by episode here I won't go into that but I think it's important that at least that message gets um, seeded for us to realize that all all of us are sensates. And there is no other. Hear, hear. Amen, <laughs> Sheila. Amen. All right. Thank you very much for listening to us today. I got a big shout out to Miss Sarah Applegate for editing the Live Sensate podcast. Stay connected. 